1: Welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. We're dropping a little bit of an extra on you this week as we are talking about the film project Chemical Cut. Chemical Cut is an upcoming film by Marjorie Conrad, who is the writer, producer, director, and star of the film. Marjorie Conrad may not be a household name around your house, but she definitely is around my house where we are big fans of America's Next Top Model. Now, everybody maybe knows that i'm a big a and m t m fan if you've listened to the Myra Breckenridge episode, you definitely know that I am, and I still contend that a m t m is our cultural barometer. Marjorie was on cycle 11 of America's Next Top Model. They don't have seasons on America's Next Top Model. They have cycles, kind of like your washing machine. That was back in 2008. Now it's 2014, and we are going to see what Marjorie is up to a little bit more about Chemical Cut and the scoop on America's Next Top Model. How did you get cast on America's Next Top Model?
0: very arbitrary. I was at San Francisco State University. I was just checking out the bookstore and then someone came up to me and said, "Smile, (laughs) Batara, and this cameraman was popping up behind the bookshelf. That was it. That was my preliminary interview. And then I was uh, recruited and there were about, um, I'd say, three rounds in this hotel ballroom the following day. And it was just it was uh, very hectic, but kind of exciting to see this process, to see how you'd have to just kind of stand in the circle with all of the other girls. There were a lot of recruits, but there are even more people who just showed up to the audition and hope to be noticed. But there's a lot of pre-selection in that auditioning process.
1: Are they going through and asking you all the personality questions or is it just about um, modeling ability at that point? Had you done modeling before?
0: I had never done modeling before. And, um, it actually took me a minute before I agreed to pursue the auditioning process because it was so. It required so much paperwork. It was very involved, and I was. I had to miss all of my classes, et cetera. And it was a lot of running around. But I hadn't modeled before, and it, the questions that they asked weren't necessarily about modeling because the show requires a great deal of strategizing when it comes to being yourself. It's a routine instruction on set, but it's also. Instruction when you're auditioning, you're expected to be an open book, but you can't be alienating. So they ask a lot of questions about your past, about you know how you feel about men, or you know random questions like that. And it's not a business interview by any means. And modeling, you know, if if you're if you show up saying I've always just wanted to be on the show, i I was born to be a, a, be a model. That's not going to suffice. The producers tend to not cast that type of contestant. It's not about modeling. It is image-making, but it centers on giving the audience your personality, so you have to really think about the persona you want to choose and kind of stick to it, but give enough variety that you're interesting enough, they think, to last, you know, 12 to 13 episodes.
1: So what was it like being on the show itself?
0: It was really interesting, because I've always been a cinephile, so I was very much interested in the process, but it is a very grueling, relentless, intense, twenty-four-seven shooting schedule. It's an astronomically su- successful modeling boot camp. You know, so it's there's cameras on the ceiling, there's cameras, cr- camera crews waking you up, you know, and kind of following you everywhere. <laughs> in addition to the cameras already stationed in every room, there are no doors. Anytime you have a conversation, be it in the shower, in the bathroom, you know, if there's a conversation they're forced to follow you around and uh, capture you <laughs> because anything could be story. So uh, there are also certain rules, like you can't, you don't have any access to the outside world except, except through that phone booth and you can't read, you can't watch anything. You can't write, you can't be boring basically. So you, you are basically instructed to completely talk about this competition and to talk about each other all the time. And if you don't, vocalize your feelings um, or in your thoughts on a regular basis if you don't do that confessional every day for at least five minutes. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and there's many ways to track your own performance. Um, if the cameras aren't on you, you're doing something wrong. You have to take the competition seriously and not yourself. You have to be able to engage in inappropriate behavior when they taking calls for it and start fights and you know never hide or shut down and and always respect panel and clients um, and always wear your mic. You have to be very conscious of that. You have to be conscious of the pillow you're holding and how it could affect you know the sound. You know as you're living these things and you're at the same time trying to be pleasing to an audience and you know, pleasing to the judges, you know, there's there's just a lot of things you have to reconcile. Um, and at the same time, you have to know that, you know, you can't just be completely fearless. I mean, your behavior is going to be broadcast in 144 countries. So, you know, if you don't want something to last forever on the Internet, you know, you have to watch what you say.
1: Yeah, you called it a modeling boot camp. It does sound a lot like what I've heard stories of Army boot camp, <laughs> just that whole breakdown of a person almost.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's very interesting to see how producers pick you and then kind of lead you through this journey. And you do pick your character arc in a certain sense. You do have a, a sense of agency in that way. But of course, you have no control ultimately at the end of the day over the outcome. The producer's do like to build people up to be able to tear them down but this I don't mean of course in a derogatory sense you know they're just trying to make good TV it's not like you can win a challenge and then expect to be safe
1: you're talking about kind of being on all the time how much of that that we see on TV is you and how much of that is kind of the way that things are being shaped in the editing room
0: I don't even quite know, you know, frankly, because I was 19 when I did the show and I'm 25 now. So there's a big gap. (laughs) But I I do think that when I saw the show, I wasn't particularly startled because I did follow Woody Allen's advice. And, you know, he said that if you you have trouble acting, being the neurotic (laughs) helps. And it is easier to do for me personally to just be awkward and be nervous because I was nervous. So I did try to emphasize my nerves during interviews, and if I didn't, I would notice that my rank during the final photo call-out would drop significantly, so I knew I had to not seem that confident, and when I did seem self-assured after, you know, winning a reward challenge during my last episode, suddenly, you (laughs) you know, it was a character turn, and then I had failed to keep my persona. But of course, I mean, I'm sure it's predetermined, you know, who's going to be the final three. So there, it's difficult to say how much of it is me. I mean, obviously, we're, good. we're still being filmed from all of these different angles, and there are things that, you know, shouldn't be aired on TV because the target market wouldn't find that, you know, unattractive. It does make you challenge who you think you are. <laughs> because you are taking a lot of risks, and you are under a lot of pressure, so it's interesting to see yourself having to deal with these circumstances. I, I did feel very detached, you know, during interviews. I, I I tried. I was slightly self-conscious, you know, when I had to talk about myself as a person and you know my goals and try to you know, communicate them. You know, it's, it's stuff you usually keep to yourself,
1: so. I think my favorite episode of every cycle of America's Next Step Model is the haircutting or the um, the new look that <laughs> yeah. they get. What was that like for you? And do people really freak the fuck out like they do on TV?
0: Oh, yeah, they definitely do freak out. I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say, but my contract still stipulates certain things. But, yeah, the haircutting, they... they you know, have this location in the hair salon for a whole day. So it's actually a lot of work for the hairstylist to be doing about, you know, 12 girls and, you know, kind of difficult tasks too. Um, my hair bleaching was very bizarre <laughs> where they stain my hair. And I, it, it's it's the thing where you can't look at yourself during the whole time. You Cameras are on you, but there are no mirrors. You're always wondering what they're doing to you. <laughs> they're doing it you know I, I really had a hard time resisting the urge to you know try to look at what they were dying you know in the in the ref- any reflective surface they could find but yeah they're I remember Sheena and Alina had rather drastic changes and Sheena and my cycle had really really dark hair and they tried to bleach her blonde and it broke off and Alina had this very elaborate weave put in and I remember that her hairline suffered from the pulling and the tugging and she lost a little bit of hair so it's just you know it is intense because there's a ticking clock to try to finish these makeovers and you, it is a surprise to you which is good for TV you know which is why you get these extreme reactions.
1: Speaking of hair cutting, can you kind of explain the title of your project that you're working on?
0: Sure. I think the title, Chemical Cut, because it's the inciting incident. This girl is stuck in a rut. She's selling retail, and you know, she decides to change her hair, which is a common reaction, and she decides to, to bleach a platinum, and inadvertently it bleaches half her hair off, and the chemicals cutting her hair is a chemical cut. And I'm sure everyone who's gone through adolescence has had a similar experience. Um And it it kind of refers to the idea that if, you know, you want to acquire any type of self-knowledge through life, you know, it can be a corrosive experience, it's difficult to not, to stay intact, Um, you do have to take risks, and, I mean, of course, the hair damage isn't eternal, you know, it does grow back, but it is the idea that she's going to go through something, and it might be a damaging experience, Um,
1: but you know,
0: she'll grow and learn from it.
1: So you mentioned before that you were a cinephile. How did you kind of get into filmmaking?
0: I knew that I wanted to make films since I was about 11. I, I went to Procurement Middle School, which had a special media academy program, and it started making films then, and we went to uh, cine family a lot at the time. not watched a lot of science films with my film teacher, and I continued that. San Francisco State was also for that purpose. I studied film there. My uh, parents are French, and we moved from uh, Marseille to for, the, for my dad to work at the studios. Uh, as a character designer. Early on, I was in the studio, and we were we were um, miming things for the Prince of Egypt. So <laughs> that was fun. Um, my brother and I. Yeah, I just I've been watching films for a while, and I mean I've, ever since I was little. My my father and my mother uh, both work on comic books. Um, my mom writes, my dad draws, and uh, they've been working together since they met each other. So, I mean, visual stimuli, has always been around. I, I've read a lot of comic books, and I've seen a lot of films ever since I was little.
1: Now, I saw that you posted a short film that you had done over on your Kickstarter site called Limehouse. How did that one come about?
0: Limehouse is really me trying to create a portrait of San Francisco, and I also wanted to record Vicky Marlene, and I was very lucky to be able to film her before she died. It's actually one of the few times that you see her perform. I just, I feel like she's she's almost more real on screen than in, in life. Um, she she's just captures this amazing quality that that I think is not so much present anymore in San Francisco. To um, I me, mean, she's a real icon. And I just wanted to see her perform this classic piece that I've seen her do so many times at Aunt Charlie's Lounge. It's uh, in a tenderloin. That film came about as just a... Uh, Maybe maybe out of watching so many Chris Marker films and um, Sol day and uh, that really interesting tone he achieved, I just the memory and reflection and the search for meaning, you know. I, Francisco is very uh, cinematic, a very cinematic city to me, so I just kind of wanted to be able to communicate that somehow.
1: I was very intrigued when you described Chemical Cut as... A cross between Black Swan and Ghost World with a hint of Woody Allen Zelig in it.
0: Well, yes. Okay. So let me explain that. It seems like a an eclectic combination, but um, Black Swan for the fact that it's a girl who's trying to perform in, in an industry that has to do with spectacle. And that it's going to be a trying experience and ghost world well, because there is a lot of snarky, humorous dialogue between her and her best friend, who's a wannabe art star. And it places the film in a more regular setting, and, you know, less. It has to do less with performance and more with the realities of growing up. And that was like, because of the chameleon aspect of her character's journey.
1: What style are you going to be shooting this in? Is this strictly narrative? Are you going to do some docudrama? What what is your approach for this?
0: My approach is definitely narrative and stylized. Not quite like uh, Limehouse, which has a lot of surreal aspects, although there are a lot of surreal elements in this feature, but it is not a docudrama. It is supposed to feel very subjective. They're not too subjective. There won't be any handheld shaky uh, spy spy pen camera work like I had for the teaser open call and it won't be extreme slapstick comedy more in the vein of the other book or teaser. I try to give a hint of the two extremes. It's going to be a melding of those two styles. Definitely very visual. I don't really write things that have a lot of dialogue. I like a lot of... um, I like spare scripts, and I like the visuals to speak for themselves. So it's supposed to put you in her shoes and be an immersive experience.
1: Obviously, the question that begs to be asked is that this is a film about a girl given a chance to model. How much of this is going to be based on you?
0: A lot of it is autobiographical. It's definitely based on anecdotes, but it isn't so much about reality television it is more based on my experience as an anonymous model in fashion. Afterwards, I was signed um, and worked as a model for two years. So it was an interesting contrast because unlike the show, I wasn't asked what my thoughts or feelings were every two seconds. They didn't care. It was much more depersonalizing. But I did find that just being asked to be this silent image, second time, and be a surface, and just concentrate on that was almost freeing in a way. It was less difficult than um, having to show myself as Marjorie (laughs) to the world. But for someone who hasn't had that boot camp experience and is just entering the fashion industry for the first time as an anonymous working model, I think that experience would be very perturbing in a lot of ways. It does call into question your identity, and do this is ultimately a film about identity? I do try to make it as accurate as possible, which is why I'm basing this on my personal experience. Um, I haven't seen a lot of films that seem accurate and entertaining at the same time. The only film I can think of is um, Frederick Wiseman's Model, which obviously is documentary, and it is manipulated, but it definitely feels very fly on the wall.
1: Where are you at with the process as far as, like, casting or any of that? Is, has that taken place, or are you kind of waiting for the Kickstarter to end? To end? Uh, we actually
0: are starting our first shoot at the end of this month. Because I've been writing this and um, working on this for the past two and a half years and saving up, we're actually starting our Kickstarter campaign this month to acquire completion funds. But we're starting to shoot before the Kickstarter campaign And in order to have some more footage to be able to show our potential backers, but also because, uh, you know, I've been dying to be able to film this. We've, we've been casting quite a bit of people, but there's still, they're, it's a very cast heavy and location heavy script. So there's still a lot of roles to fill, but our main characters have been pretty much decided at this point.
1: So what's it like to cast somebody that is ostensibly going to be playing you?
0: Actually, well, I would cast myself, actually. <laughs> so I'll be playing essentially myself, a version of myself. And it was kind of a, a strange choice at first. Day. At first, day, I didn't want to play my own film, but I decided that it would require a lot of me, as you know, because I am directing as well. And I, I found it interesting. It's the first time that I, I'm really in control of the image I'm putting on that screen, then I can show the world as I see it.
1: And here I thought you were kind of getting your revenge by being behind the camera.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is a risk. You know, I don't know how people are going to take it. Some people might see that as narcissistic or self-indulgent, but I, I am really curious in how to perform in this sort of much more controlled setting. Obviously, I know the lines, but the lines are very loose. I'm hoping that there's some interesting chemistry between the actors I've chosen and myself and the situations I establish.
1: so how has been the reaction for the Kickstarter so far?
0: The reaction's been great. We've got a lot of backers. um we had a recent surge yeah it's it is a very it's a marathon you know to try to get the thirty thousand that we need uh, to get that stellar production design and um, uh, a lot of everything that we were putting in front of the camera essentially would need a little more help. But it is amazing to be able to cultivate this platform before the film is made and to have people just see this infant of the film and grow up, you know, and to be able to follow the updates and see its evolution. I think that's really exciting.
1: Personally, I really like that you have this whole breakdown of where the money is going to go to instead of this kind of, you know, mystery thing of I want your money. But here you've got 5500 for set design, 5200 for location. You know, it feels very like I know what I want and this is exactly the reason why.
0: That was it really key point for us. There are a lot of Kickstarter campaigns now, um, but we really didn't ask for more than we needed and we really try to give a clear idea of what is necessary to make a great-looking film. It's a very small budget still and we are shooting on um, DSLRs, but it is a privilege to be able to make films at this time where this technology is available and there are a lot of choices. Um, And personally, I like the DSLR look for this film because it will give this Kind of glassy, cold feel ultimately. And Limehouse was shot in seventy, and it, it turned out great. I thought um, my cinematographer was Laura Valadea, and she does great work.
1: Yeah, no, it's a beautiful, beautiful film.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, <laughs> Glad you like it.
1: I'm looking forward to seeing what you can do with Chemical Cut.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to it too. It's it's, it's amazing to be able to jump. I don't know. It's to, to be able to jump from a short to a feature. It's a huge jump, but. Um, but I, I, because of this Kickstarter campaign, it was uh, such a great learning process for me to have to communicate this message early on and to do this, these little videos and to try to initiate interest. It's a, it, it's, it's, there are very much many steps to, to the campaign process, so I found it really enjoyable to be able to reconnect with um, people who like me on the show and old friends and be able to show them that I haven't forgotten about them and I hope that they join us in this journey.